Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about this series because Leviticus is a book that's full of images and pictures where God's allowing us to see what he was going to do in our lives when we met Jesus. So we, we had a blast last week, talked about the grain offering. This week we're going to talk about something that's a lot of fun. And I want to open up with a story. When my children were young, we had two boys first and two girls. Uh, I always took our boys in the public restrooms, of course, when we were out. And when they were like two, three, four, five years old, that was quite an event, you know, because Gina and I are aware of these things you can't see called germs, you know, and so we're telling them don't touch anything. And, and if, they, if it was a stand-up job, you know, at the urinal, I say don't lean on the wall, don't touch anything. And then if it was, they had to sit down, you know, I'd wipe that seat off like crazy and then I'd layer it with uh, all kinds of toilet paper. And then I'd say, guys, because they were small, you can't hold on to the seat. You've got to go like this, have your hands on your, your lap. And then, you know, I taught them how to clean, you know, and you've got to turn the sink on and wash with soap. And then you dry your hands and you take the last paper towel, the last one, and you use it to open the handle on the door so your hand doesn't touch the door. Then you go like this with your foot, and then you ball it up and you try to make a basket. And if you miss, too bad. It's just going to lay on that floor because we're not going to touch this handle, right? It's just not going to happen. And we were trying to protect them from these things called germs, right? And because and, we know their mouths, their hands are going to go in their mouth and all, all these things. Well, today we're going to talk about something that if you're a Christian, you touched it. And just like germs impacted us in a negative, there's something if you're a Christian, you touched, and it radically changed your life. As a matter of fact, it's changed every fiber of your being. And you may not know it yet. You may not fully understand it but it happened. And our big idea today is all about that. This is what I want you to walk out, understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. When you touched holy, holy changed you. Now, touching holy, holy is Jesus, okay? And we're going to use this terminology. In, in Leviticus, they just say holy, so that's why I'm using it. When you touched holy, that means when you accepted Jesus as your Savior, holy changed you. The changes are remarkable. So there's a text in Leviticus, and this is a life-changing text. So I'd like you to just look at it with me, Leviticus 6, 24, 25, to open up. The Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons the following instructions regarding the sin offerings. Last week, we talked about the grain offering, a type of worship. This week, we're going to talk about animal sacrifices, and these are all about our sins. And the Bible teaches us there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So every time an animal was killed in Leviticus, anywhere in the Old Testament, it was always a type of Jesus, and it just painted pictures from different angles. But listen to what's said next. Verse 27, anyone or anything that touches the sacrificial meat will become holy. If any of the sacrificial blood splatters on a person's clothing, the soiled garment must be washed in a sacred place. Now, when I read this years ago for the first time, it shocked me. It surprised me because I would have written it differently with what I knew when I read it. And I would have I written it like this. In order for you to touch this holy sacrifice, you have to cleanse yourself, you have to purify yourself, and you cannot touch it until you're fully cleansed. But that's not what the Bible's saying. 
It says anyone or anything that touches it is made holy. It's just made holy. It doesn't matter who touched it. It doesn't matter who you were. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what was going on in your life. If you touched it, you became holy. And this is a picture of what happened when you accepted Jesus. So that's why my big idea is when you touched holy, holy changed you. And I want to show you some of the just remarkable changes. But first I want to just talk a little bit about the sacrifice. I'll talk a little bit about Jesus as our sacrifice. For some of us, we understand this, but how many of us can agree God can keep opening up our spiritual understanding? And I noticed in my life, I become more free the more I understand and the more I reprogram my mind. And the Bible talks about that. Listen to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. First verse in Leviticus. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, verse 2, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from the herd of cattle or your flock or your sheep and goats. Verse 3. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be male with no defects. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. Now, this is what's amazing to me. They had to make sure this animal had no defects. And, of course, it's a type of Christ. So couldn't be blind in one eye. Wouldn't it be easy to say, I'll get rid of my bad animals. I'll give those to God for a sacrifice. But he wanted, us, he wanted it to be a type of Christ. It couldn't have any blemishes on its skin. Couldn't limp. Nothing could be wrong with it because Jesus was sinless, right? But what's amazing is they would bring this to the priest who actually offered it as a sacrifice for their sins. And he didn't look at them. He didn't examine them. He didn't care what they did yesterday, last week, last month. He didn't care who they were. He examined the sacrifice, and he asked the question, is this sacrifice without blemish? And that made them acceptable to God. When you touched holy, holy changed you. And as Christians, even after we accept Christ, we're always trying to become something we are. And I want to help you understand that today because you are. So can we talk for a moment just about Jesus as our holy sacrifice, simple as can be. But what, what an amazing scripture. 1 Peter 1.18. For you know that it was not with your perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Now, I, I love studying culture. I love hanging out with different cultures. I love hanging out with different ethnicities. I love, I love their culture. I love their food. And God's not saying any of that's bad. He's saying this. When it comes to redeeming you, making you holy, making you worthy, allowing you to go to heaven, it's all useless. There's nothing we as human beings do that can redeem us. But here's what redeems us. Listen to verse 19. It says, but with the precious blood of Christ, he redeemed you, a lamb without blemish or defect. In just a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter. Good Friday is all about when Jesus died. And really, it wasn't a good day for Jesus. It was a really bad day for Jesus. But it, it's, it was a good day for us because that's when the lamb was sacrificed. Everything we'll read in Leviticus, every time you read in the Old Testament where an animal was sacrificed, it's all a type of Christ. And he offered himself up for us. But here's the deal. When you accepted him, when you touched holy, holy radically changed you. And it's amazing what holy did. So here's, here's my first thought. Holy people, that would be Christians. Holy people are holy 
by birth. Now, there's a term that theologians use, and it's a good term. It's called sanctification. Many of you know what that means. Sanctification is just you and I becoming more Christ-like or more holy in our lifestyle. That's sanctification. All of us are on a road. All of us are striving as Christians. We're trying to become more like Jesus. None of us will ever become as good as Jesus. If Jesus is the standard, it doesn't matter where you're at. We're going to keep trying to get a little bit better, but we'll never get all the way up to Jesus. I mean, I have been pastoring now for 35 years, and I still sin on a regular basis. They're not the big ones. If they were the big ones, I wouldn't be able to be a pastor. But I'm still sinning and, 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 and trying to become more and more sanctified. I am not a perfect, and I'm guessing no one in this room is perfect. If you're perfect, please let me know at the end of service because I, I want you to pray for me. If you're going through life without, without sin, and all of us have a monster sin, don't we? We all have that one thing that we keep messing up with a lot, right? That's sanctification. And you can never be sanctified or you can never live more like Christ until you understand when you touched holy, holy changed you. And one of the things that happened is you took on God's DNA and you literally have God's nature on the inside of you. Many of us know this. Some of you may not. You're a three-part being, right? You are a spirit. Your spirit looks just like your body, only it's, it's perfect. It has no defects at all. Uh, it lives within your body, and then you possess a soul. So you're a spirit, possess a soul. You live in a body. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. That's what the Bible says to renew, reprogram, right? So that we understand what we really are. Because when you accepted Christ, your spirit was born again, and some miraculous things happened. And one of the things that happened is, when you touched holy, holy changed you, you literally took on God's DNA, and part of that DNA is you're holy. And I love to meet family members, and it's amazing when you meet family members. I have six brothers. There's a picture of me with my six brothers, and uh, I'm the one on your far left, and my brother Mike's on the far right, and my brother Dave, who went to heaven when he was 20, uh, he's in the middle, and these are all of my brothers. And I've never not had this happen. Whenever I meet one of my brother's friends, who I'd never met before, the first thing they say is, I can tell you're a Caminetti. Boy, you look like a Caminetti. And I don't know what that means, but we're, we're all different. You know, some of us have light hair. Some of us have darker hair. Some of us are dark complected. Some are lighter. Uh, none of us are over six feet tall because my, my mom was tall for a woman. She was 5'6". And think about an Italian immigrant that's 5'6". That's pretty tall. But my dad was also 5'6". So none of us, none of us have that height, right? Um, we all have similar looks. And what are people saying? Well, there's just certain things in us that, you know, it, it all is kind of the same. Our voices sound the same. Your, your family's very similar to that. But guess what? That's how your spirit is. You have God's DNA inside you, and you are holy by birth. It's literally inside you. So you're not trying to become holy. Do we want to live holier? Yeah. Do we want to go through? Yes. But you have to, you have to know and understand you are before you can ever be. Take a look at this scripture. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a beautiful text. Do, do you see the phrase might become? The Greek word there is genomai. And do you know what this word means? You can look it up. It literally means to be born or come into existence. 
When I read the English phrase might become, I'm thinking, well, that's, that's sanctification. No, no, no. That means to be born. And when you accepted Christ, you became the righteousness of God. That word righteousness in the very simplest form, you'll see it in some paraphrase, it just means to be right with God. But the literal meaning literally means to be holy, to be pure, to have no stain at all against you. And so when you accepted Jesus, a miracle happened. Your spirit died and in fractions of seconds, it was reborn. And it is literally holy by birth. You are holy by birth. And until you see that, if that sounds strange to you, you'll never begin to walk free in areas of your life where you want to walk free. You'll never have freedom till you can see what Jesus did on the inside of you. Can I show you one more really cool scripture along this line? This is Ephesians 1.4. It says, for he chose us in him. God the Father chose us in him, Jesus. In him means to accept him as Savior before the creation of the world. Think about that. To be holy and blameless in his sight and love. So I, I think this is crazy. Before God even created anything that we see, God stands above time. God created time, right? So he made time. Uh, with God, there is no time, but he created it. And so now we're on a clock, you and I, human beings are on a clock. God can see the beginning all the way to the end because he stands above it. And before he made anything, he chose you. Think about it. Every one of us in this room, and even if you haven't accepted Christ yet, he chose you. He wants you to accept him. He chose you to be holy and blameless. He chose to make you holy by birth. It's the most amazing thing ever. You were chosen by God. That's an amazing thing. And you are holy by birth. And when you begin to understand this, it begins to change all kinds of areas of your life. Let's add to it. Let's add to it. Here's another thought. Holy people are sin-free people. This is really cool. I'm sure some of you in here have some allergies, right? There's probably some with wheat allergies, gluten, some, some with dairy allergies. I have a slight dairy allergy. And if I eat dairy, I'm going to probably have a couple hours of wheezing and uh, my lungs tighten up. But every now and then, so I, I'm, I'm always looking at labels. Is it dairy-free? But every now and then I say, the heck with it. I'm going to eat some pizza, right? And I, I don't care. And, and I'll put up with the problems. So I look at labels, and, and I'm sure many of you look at labels because you're dealing with some allergies. I'm going to ask you a question. If God were to label you, what would be on the label? I'm going to tell you one thing that's on your label, right? Sin-free. You say, but I, I fall, I sin. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. We're all going to grow in that area. We're going to show you something cool in a moment. But guys, on the inside, you're born holy and you're sin-free. He took your sins away. Did you know he took your sins away? Listen to this, listen to this. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, they had a, a different offerings, as we said, and there's one where the high priest was to kill a bull, offer a bull, and to take that blood, but then he was to take two goats. The goats were for the people. The bull was for him, and he was to keep one goat alive and it literally is called, the Hebrew is scapegoat. So the one he kept alive was a scapegoat. And then he, he sacrificed one. He took the blood of the goat and the bull, and he went into the holy place, the tabernacle of God that they had at that time, and he would sprinkle all the things in the tabernacle to, to cleanse them from our sins. But then they would take the second goat. And I just want you to see, because both goats are a type of Christ. Listen to Leviticus 16.20. 
When Aaron had finished purifying the most holy place in the tabernacle and the altar, that's the, the bull and the first goat, he must present the live goat, the Hebrew literally means scapegoat. Verse 21, he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. I like to look at when Jesus was on the cross. You know, we couldn't see it, but God kind of put his hands on Jesus and he transferred all of our sins over to Jesus, past, present, and future. And that's pretty exciting when I think about it because a lot of them were mine. And then, then the Bible goes on and says this, and it says, in this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specially chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. Verse 22, as the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry all the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. That is absolutely a beautiful picture of Jesus, right? Can I show you something? This is a verse in the New Testament. You may have read it, but I don't think you saw exactly what it's saying. Hebrews 9.28 says this. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. I want to just stop there for a moment. Jesus doesn't have to die again for your sins. He already paid for all of them. It's a once and for all, one-time deal. In the Old Testament, Leviticus, they had to do these sacrifices over and over. Some were yearly, some were weekly, and some were after they sinned. They just had to go find a pigeon or something and go, go offer it up for their sins, uh, for their guild offerings, all kinds of different offerings. Jesus paid for all your sins, and that's what this is saying. He took them all upon himself. Now, 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 now take a look at this, the latter part of the verse. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Now, there's going to come a day when Jesus comes back for his church. But now that day happens in people's lives when they die, too. When we die, we go, we go, we go to Jesus, right, as Christians. And so many of you are worried about him dealing with all your sins. And it's like, do we have to work our way to heaven? I mean, what's going on? Does God want us to live more holy? Yeah, but how do we do it? I think we have to know something's been done. Listen again. He will come not to deal with our sins. When Jesus returns for his church, for the Christians, what's he coming for? To bring salvation. Why? Because he already dealt with your sins. He can't do any more for your sins. You can become more free. You can become more sanctified. But he already paid the price for your sins. And that's important to know. And then listen to this last part. To all of us who are eagerly waiting. That just means to Christians that are eagerly waiting. I'm going to help the young people for a moment. Okay, guys. Um, when, when, before I was married, I was very sexually active before marriage. I mean, not uh, before Jesus. And then I accepted Jesus and I decided I'm going to, I'm going to follow the Bible and I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to stay pure till I'm married. And I went, had to go five years till I met Gina. And, and so I remember praying this prayer. This is the prayer I prayed. Lord God, I know one day you're going to tell Jesus, come back and get to church. I really want you to wait till I get married for that to happen. And I said, just don't come back yet. So I wasn't eagerly waiting in that sense, right? And then after I got married, I said, God, you got to give me at least five more years. Come on. And I would pray prayers like that. God, just don't come yet. Don't come. That doesn't mean I didn't love Jesus. And I'm just saying it for you young people. That doesn't mean you don't love Jesus if you enjoy some things on this earth. But it's just the fact that, hey, we accepted him as Savior. We're eagerly waiting. And he's not coming back to judge you because your sins have already been judged. They've been placed on Jesus. And if you don't understand that, when you touched holy, holy changed you, you'll never walk in freedom because does God want us to walk in free? Yeah. Does God want us to grow out of sin? Yes. 
That's why Jesus died. But can you do it if you don't know that when you touched holy, holy changed you? No, you, you can't do it. You'll never do it. It will be an endless cycle of frustration. As a matter of fact, check this out. Holy people are guilt-free people. And I want to ask you the question, are you guilt-free today? Gene and I, this August, will be 35 years of pastoring believers. We pioneered believers in 1983. So we're going to, in August, we'll hit 35 years. And if you asked her, if you asked me, what is the number one problem people deal with when they come in for counseling? What's the number one problem? Do you know what we would say? Guilt and shame. And most of it is guilt and shame before God. I still have some shame things I'm dealing with, but they're, they're not before God. I have no shame before God. I have no guilt before God. And I'm going to show you why, and I'm going to show you how you can be the same way. But, you know, there's other areas of my life where, where I'm still growing and so on and so forth. I'm going to make a statement to you, and, and I'm telling you it's true. I have not felt guilt or shame before God in decades, probably about 20 years. And here's why. I've learned that Jesus took care of my sins. And I'm going to show you how to live a guilt-free life. I'm, it's not, I'm not telling you go ahead and sin and don't worry about it, because my goal is to be free from sin and to grow and to become more Christ-like. But, but guess what? You're still going to sin. So here, listen to this. When I first became a Christian, it took me probably two years, two years to deal with this truth, that everything I did before I was a Christian was forgiven. It took me two years. I had to hear some messages like this. And finally, one day I said, you know what? I don't have to be guilty and shameful about the life I lived before I met Jesus. And, and I came to use this phrase. It was very common. It's all under the blood. And I just never felt shame anymore. I thought, yeah, I did those things, but, you know. But then I began to sin as a Christian. And that was tougher. When I first accepted Christ, I was in great darkness. I lived in a lot of sin. Then I met Jesus. And I was on a six-month honeymoon. Six months, man, six months. I was so excited about Jesus that I never even thought about sin. I, it was just, I was just so excited. He, he saved me. He delivered me from darkness. I was one of those guys that was just radical when I first accepted Christ. And the Bible says when you come out of great darkness, you're going to be just crazier, you know? You're going to be more thankful. So um, then about the six-month mark or so, I began to sin again as a Christian. And then I began to have trouble with the same things I did before I was a Christian, and that was blowing my gaskets. I was a young man, so I, I was like 20, 21, and now I, I began to have problems with pornography again and that type of thing, and then I'd fall, and I'd be like, God, like, how, how, I, I don't believe I did it. I was like, I thought if I became a Christian, I'd never do this again, and I didn't understand, and then I came to understand what I'm teaching today, guys. Every sin, past, present, and future, Jesus paid the price for. And I became able to just unload those sins and not have guilt, not have shame. And I'm telling you, there's so many Christians in Christianity that are dealing with guilt and shame, and it's the most terrible thing ever. Can I show you a scripture? Here's a cool scripture, Hebrews 10. And, and it says this in verse 22. We come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from God. I want to ask you a question. Is there any wall between you and God? I know we're Christians, but is there anything that kind of 
keeps you maybe at a distance from him because you don't feel worthy. You're feeling shame. You're feeling guilt. I think that's the most common wall. I did this, and I don't think I'm worthy. And, and I'm telling you, it will freeze you in your tracks. You'll never grow spiritually. You'll never come to freedom in any area of your life. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring you to a place of, of freedom. So, so are there any walls between you and God? Listen to this next part of the verse. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood, past tense, that's the sacrifice of Jesus, to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. That's who you are right now. I like that. How about, how about this one? You're freed from an accusing conscience. Are you? Are you carrying guilt and shame? Now, now again, you guys heard me. I, I still sin, all right? I'm not perfect. I'm not doing the big ones because I wouldn't be qualified to be pastor if I was. I'd need to go back and kind of grow out of that stuff, right? But, but every day I do something that I shouldn't do, every single day. Some of it's attitude. Sometimes my attitude stinks, and Gina has to let me know that that is a stinky attitude. And, and, and sometimes I say things that I shouldn't say, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that. And sometimes I do some things I shouldn't do. And I'm like, Lord, but I've learned how to walk free from it because we'll never be perfect, right? And I want to show you something that will bless you, and then I want to show you what I do whenever I sin, whenever I, whenever I miss it in any way. But can we look at 1 John 2, 1 first? My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. He's writing to Christians. God's heart is for us to grow out of sins, right? But listen to the very next thing. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. That word advocate, it's Greek word parakletos, and the simplest definition is helper. He helps us concerning our sin, right? So can I ask you a question? Can I tell you where I was at for years with this? Where I was at was I was convinced that if I sinned as a Christian, Jesus would go to God of Father and plead for my case, right? So, so it, I kind of imagined it looked like this for years. Jesus would go to God the Father and he'd say, now, Father, I know you don't like Joe. I know you actually can't stand him, and he gets on your nerves, but he sinned again. It's the hundredth time this month with this particular sin. But I'm pleading with you because of my sacrifice that you would forgive him. And then God's kind of up in heaven like this. This is how it was as a young Christian. Like, man, I don't like Joe. I'm kind of tired of him. But, you know, we did make a legal contract at Calvary, and I guess I have to honor it. Okay, I'll forgive him. Do you think God looks at you that way? How does he look at you? Man, if you're thinking that, man, he loves you more than you love yourself. He sees you in Christ, holy and blameless, baby. Can, can, can we read verse 2? Listen to what it says. Here, here's, how he, here's how he pleads your case, so to speak. Verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. So anybody, no matter how bad they are, when they accept Jesus, boom. But you know what God sees when you sin? He sees the sacrifice Jesus made. He sees that every sin you ever committed was transferred to him. He sees you holy because when you touched holy, holy changed you. And it's not God up in heaven deciding, should I, shouldn't I, Jesus? Jesus is saying, no, please, please do. It's already been done. 
When you touched holy, holy changed you. So what do we do when we sin? I really believe, for me, this works for me. I've been doing it for decades, by the way. I have what I call a fess-up moment. I just fess up to, my, to the fact I did wrong, Lord. I, it just frees me when I say, I'm wrong. And that gives me the opportunity to have my 180 turn. So I want to show you, most of you know this verse. Many of you have it memorized. But, but do you understand it from the right perspective? Listen to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteous. That's your conscience. Just wash, you just keep washing and washing it. Now, I love the word confess because what God's saying is this. When I sin, I just, I just say, God, you know what? I blew it again. I sinned again. And I, I don't want to, Lord. And I usually have this prayer because I have some things I do over and over. I say, now, Lord, I've, you know I do this all the time. Uh, you're going to have to do something here. You have to open up my spiritual eyes and change me because something isn't working, God. But I thank you I'm redeemed. I, have no, I, I know I'm redeemed. I know Jesus forgave me my, my past, my present, my future sin. But Lord, I, I, I just want to make a 180 here and I want to begin to go. And many Christians, what happens with them is they walk away from God, from God for years and years and years thinking he doesn't love them, thinking that they're not worthy. You are worthy. There's nothing you can do. And 1 John 1 9 is all about you and I fessing up and saying, God, I missed it. Is Jesus going to die again every time you miss it? Let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian and you're practicing sin right now, maybe you walked in here and you're being really rebellious, you're going your own way, you're doing things you know you shouldn't do. If you were to die, would you go to heaven? Can, can I answer that for you? I wanted to give that awkward pause. Okay, just to, <laughs> put the heat up, make them feel it. All right. Um, listen, listen. If you wouldn't go to heaven, then heaven would be by works. I mean, if, if, you have to, if, you, if you have to be perfect to get there, if you have to be flawless to get there, heaven's by works. It's not by works, but it's by faith in the grace of God. It's by accepting Christ. And, and so I'm, next week we're going to have a blast. We're going to do a lesson next week. Um, we're going to talk about one of the feasts of Israel, and we're going to talk about the return of Christ. It's amazing. We're going to have a blast. Some Christians, when Jesus comes, it's going to kind of be like when you're a kid. You get caught with your hand in the, in the cookie jar. You know, it's like, oh, no, you caught me. Um, but, but you're, you're going to go to heaven but, you know, you just want, you want, to be, you want to be living for him when he comes. And, and we're going to talk about that. You can't work your way to heaven. When you touched holy, holy changed you. So here's what I'm hoping right now. Just by my prayer for this lesson. That for every one of you, those of you that understood this, we just took you to another level of freedom. But then for those that are hearing it for the first time, God's going to radically change your life. Because you'll never live a sanctified life more like Jesus' life, till you come to know you are holy. When you touched holy, holy changed you. You are righteous. You are pure in the sight of God Almighty. And I want this to be a group of people whose conscience is freed from guilt and shame. And we're so thankful for what he did for us. We, just, we, just, we say, God, I don't want to stay where I'm at. I want to go to the next level. If you're here and you say, man, that's me, I want that to happen. I want you to pray with me right now. We're going to pray. And uh, before we do, can we do one more thing? 
Are you excited that when you touched Holy, Holy changed you in all our campuses? Can we just, can we just say thank you, God? Because it's amazing. Thank you, God. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Borman, TCI, Warren, let's pray. I know there's a few of you in every campus. There's going to be a couple. I don't know. It's not a lot. I don't want to sound condemning. But there's a few of you, man. It's, you need to fess up. You need to just say, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm walking a path. I know I shouldn't. And Lord, I just confess it's wrong. And this day I do a 180. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus has always been cleansing me. And I ask you to cleanse my conscience right now, Lord God. I really believe there's some 180s happening. And for many of you, you're going to be like me in some areas. You're going to say, now, God, I, I need extra grace to conquer this area. And I don't even know what it is, but I need you to release it in my life. Thank you, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lord, my heart's prayer for everyone in this room is that this thing called guilt and shame will be lifted off of them. And I thank you that it can only be lifted off when we understand what Jesus did. So I thank you for lifting it, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, all our campuses. Maybe you walked in today in any of the campuses and you're not sure if you're forever. You might have been walked in and you're religious. You've maybe grown up in a Catholic or a Protestant church and you've, you've just been going, you know, you're doing good things. Maybe you walked in an atheist or an agnostic. Maybe you walked in just not knowing what you think, but your heart's touched right now. This message has really penetrated your heart. And I want to say to you, I'm not asking if you were water baptized a baby and adult. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're an atheist, an agnostic. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you said, Jesus, I realize you're the Savior, and there's only one way to heaven, and it's through you. If you're here and you say, I can't remember that day, Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to heaven unless they go through me. And it's the most amazing thing when we open up our heart and say, Jesus, I believe that, and I want to accept you. If you're here and you say, that's me, would you pray with me right now? Boardman, TCI, would, would you pray with us right now? And everyone else in the room, can, can we help them? Can we help them? Say this. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe not only did you die, but God raised you from the grave. And this day, I receive you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, all over the place. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, <coughs> miracles happen. We, we saw it. When you touched holy, holy, changed you. You've just been changed. It's amazing. You might not have felt anything, but it's true. You know what else is happening? The Bible teaches us that all of heaven, God himself, if one person on planet earth accepts Christ, all of heaven begins to celebrate. Isn't that amazing? You know why the Bible teaches all of us become children of God by placing faith in Christ Jesus. 
Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.